welcome to the 52nd episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. We had some audio issues with this episode last week, so I'm re-recording it. Hopefully this one is better. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we're talking about the Cube franchise. There are three movies total. They are Canadian independently produced films, and the writers and directors are different for all three movies. So the first one is Cube from 1997, written and directed by Vincenzo Natale, also co-written by Andre Bajelic, B-I-J-E-L-I-C, and Graham Manson, produced by Myra Ma and Betty Orr. And each of these movies stars like seven to eight people. I'm not going to read all of them. I'll just hit the highlights. This one stars seven people, Nicole DeBauer, Nikki Guadini, David Hewitt, Andrew Miller, etc., etc. And music is by Mark Corvin. The runtime is 90 minutes. Next up is Cube 2 Hypercube. That's from 2002, so five years later. Written by Sean Hood. Directed by Andrzej... Sekula, uh, so A N D Z E J Sekula, produced by Ernie Barbarash, Peter Block, and Suzanne Colvin, starring this time five people Carrie Machette, um, Garrett De Davies, Grace Lynn Kung, and Matthew Ferguson, etc., etc. And music is by Norman Arnstein. The runtime is 94 minutes. Then lastly, there's Cube Zero from 2004, so two years later, written and directed again by Ernie Babarish. We just talked about him in the second movie. Produced again by Susan Colvin Golding and John Golding, starring five people this time, Zachary Bennett, David Husband, Stephanie Moore, Michael Riley, and Martin Roach. Music was by Norman Ornstein, so the same as the second Cube. And the runtime here is 97 minutes. Where to find these movies? All three of the movies are currently available for free on Amazon, or I think they were just all added to Hulu. And the rest of the usual sites have them for the typical $4 each, so YouTube, Google Play, Amazon, um, Vudu, etc. They are not on Netflix, Shudder, or Tubi. Rotten Tomato scores. The first Cube, critics gave it 63, audiences gave it a 76. Cube 2, critics gave it a 45, audiences gave it a 35, so they really didn't like that one. And Cube 0, not rated by critics, audiences gave it a 42. The plot. IMDb says six complete strangers of widely varying personality characteristics are involuntarily placed in an endless maze containing deadly traps. So the first movie opens with a guy who wakes up, uh, close up of his eyeball, and then he wakes up in a strange enclosed room, and it looks like all the walls and the doors, uh, all the walls, the ceiling, and the floor all have a door in them. So he crawls through one of the doors, but when he gets to the other room, he doesn't last long because he is quickly diced, a la uh, Resident Evil style. So his body is just turned into slices. Maybe you call them cubes. I don't know. And they just slide off and fall to the floor. So that's a pretty good opening for the film. 
Next, we meet six other people. There's a student, Joan Levin, an ex-con, called the Wren, an architect, David Worth, a doctor, Helen Holloway, a cop, Quentin McNeil, and an autistic person named Kazan. They are all from different locales and can only remember living their normal lives up until the point when they woke up in the cube. So they must work together to figure out how to escape before they all die. They eventually figure out that the um, size of the rooms is 26 by 26 by 26, and they think they are in some mechanism that has 17,576 rooms. That's a lot of rooms. Um, the rooms are all differently colored, so you have red, amber, green, blue, or white. Each cube is numbered, and they eventually figure out that the cubes that are prime numbers um, are mechanically trapped rooms, uh, like the one that the initial guy went into, and they can kill you in a number of ways, including flamethrowers, acid, etc. Um, so Levin, who is a... Uh, Good with math, figured out the prime solution, but then she had to have Kazan, who apparently is a savant, calculate the numbers in order for them to know which rooms to go into. In the end, Quentin goes crazy and kills everybody except Kazan. Kazan escapes to what they think is the edge of the cube, and he walks off into a white light, and that's the end of the movie. So we don't know what happens to him. Cube 2... IMDB says, Eight strangers awaken with no memory in a puzzling cube-shaped room where the laws of physics do not always apply. Again, we have several people trapped in a cube, and they have no idea how they got there. They are Kate, a psychotherapist, Simon, a private detective, Jerry, an engineer, Max, a computer game designer, Julia, an attorney, Sasha, who is blind, and Mrs. Paley, who has Alzheimer's. They... Uh, eventually encounter a guy named Colonel Thomas McGuire who tells them they must solve uh, the code in order to escape. And then they also at some point um, run into some famous physics professor. This time around we hear more about who created the cube. It's a com company called Izon and everybody in the cube is connected to that company in some way. After some freaky happenings, Jerry is killed by an expanding razor cube. Um, and then Sasha reveals they've been talking about the person who created the cube, Alex Trusk. And it's later revealed that Sasha is, in fact, Alex Trusk, who helped create the cube. And she escaped into the cube uh, because she found out what Izon was doing to innocent people. I don't know why anyone would escape into a cube because... It seems like a really, really bad place to hide. So, anywho, uh, we learned that the Tesseract is closing in on itself, and due to the different dimensions, time warps, etc., there are multiple copies of all of these people running around. At one point, Kate finds copies of everyone dead and skeletalized in one of the rooms, and Max and Julia die of old age while having sex in a different cube. That was a, a funny visual. And in this movie, again, we have a crazy guy who keeps trying to kill everybody. This movie's Quentin is Simon, and he was hired to look for a missing Izon employee named Becky. He finds her inside the cube, but then he just kills her anyway, so I'm not sure what that was about.
and then he starts killing everybody else. And just as the cube is about to close in on itself, Kate jumps into a black void. And at that point, it's revealed that she's a soldier and she um, was supposed to get whatever Alex had in like the thumb drive or whatever that is in her necklace around her neck, which she gives to her boss. And um, we learned that the mysterious 60659, the number that we kept seeing repeated um, on all of the watches that Simon acquired and uh, was listed in several of the cubes, it was actually uh, how long she had to get out of the cube before it folded in on itself. So six minutes, six, six seconds. Um, so to outside observers, that's how long she was in the cube, but obviously uh, her time was much different inside. Um, her boss, uh, they congratulate her on a good job, but one of the soldiers just shoots her in the back of the head, and then he calls a higher-up on the phone and says Phase 2 has been terminated. So that's what she got for all of her hard work. And uh, I will say here, the CGI in this movie is really, really, really bad. It took me out of the movie. It was so bad. So I like the concept. Uh, and I know, let's see, when was this made? Um, in the 90s, early 2000s. But yeah, that CGI was really, really bad. So anyway... On to the next movie, Cube Zero, and this is a prequel of the other movies. IMDb says, A young programmer whose job is to watch over the reality-warping cube defies orders to escape an innocent mother trapped in one of its rooms. And the movie, as always, opens again with a guy in a cube, and he is sprayed with something that looks like water, but... In fact, it's some sort of flesh-eating uh, liquid, and his body just completely liquefies, and he dies. And we're off to the races. We meet two employees who are monitoring the cube, so they're outside the cube and monitoring them, and they are Wynn and Dodd. Their co-worker, Owen, is missing. So Dodd tells Wynn not to read the employee files, um, it's a very strange setup. They get pills, food pills, and that's what they have to eat. So I'm not sure, like, uh, what's going on there. Um, but they are told from the higher, the people upstairs to hone in on one of the people in the cube. And it is Reigns, uh, which is a woman that, uh, is having visions of her, she and her daughter being kidnapped while they were walking in the woods. So Reigns finds some of the people. This time around, there's a soldier named Haskell, Meyerhold, Jellicoe, and Bartok. And Bartok is quickly pulled to pieces by one of the traps, which are razor wires. Instead of numbered rooms this time around, we have lettered rooms. And they move through the rooms again using the old shoe-on-a-shoestring trick that they did back in the first movie. We learn that the cube is backed by some mysterious government entity. In the previous film, we learned the company was eyes on, but we never find out which government this is. Everyone in the cube has supposedly been given a death sentence, and they had to sign a consent form to be put in the cube and then had their memories wiped, which is why nobody remembers anything. It should come as no surprise that people probably did not consent to this. And it also appears that the cube is designed so no one survives. Even if you get to the cube's edge, 
The techs are required to ask you some questions, um, and they had to do this for Owen when they found out he was in the cube, and one of them is, do you believe in God? And if they answered no, then they are incinerated. So I'm not sure what the movie's trying to tell us with that question, but that's what happened. Um, Rain seems to have been put in the cube after participating in some sort of protest. And when he's some sort of mathematical genius and he enters the cube in order to rescue Reigns, um, obviously that's a bad idea if he's seen, given what he's seen before, but that's what he does. A higher up arrives in the control panel. He's a very strange guy and he has a weird fake eye. And uh, he has two techs with him that have like uh, electrodes or keypads attached to their hands. And their job is to try to find when in the cube. So Dodd initially pretends that he's trying to be helpful, but then he actually sabotages them. Um, he pulls a whole bunch of wires, then he goes into another room, does some other stuff, they catch up with him, and they kill him for help trying to help win. The one good thing that he does before dying is that they had talked about previously about resetting the system. So when the system is reset, all of the cubes move back to their original locations so they can tell which rooms they are and where they are inside the grid. And then the bad part is after the reset, they have 10 minutes. After that 10 minutes, everyone inside the cube is automatically killed. So that's what he does. Uh, when figures out where they need to go, they head off, and then the higher-ups activate Haskell, and Haskell is a soldier, and we knew that because he had a tattoo on his head, on his forehead, and he also has a chip implanted in him, and when they turn it on, his eyes turn this weird shade of green, which I thought was fun, and then, of course, he does what some guy in the other two movies have always tried to do, which is kill everybody, so at that point, only when and Reigns are left, he tries to kill them, and in the end, he's incinerated. Reigns and Wynn escape into a lake that's somehow connected to the cube. And Reigns is reunited with her daughter. Wynn um, tries to help her escape in the woods by tripping a couple of soldiers. So he's recaptured and he's sentenced again to the cube. He has his brain surgically altered. So... He ends up sounding like Kazan and acting like Kazan from the first movie. So Kazan may have not been autistic. He may have been a tech who was being punished for his behavior like Wynn was. So that's where that movie ends. Um, I would like to play you a song now. It's from the one of the Cube movies. Let's see, where did I put... Uh, I'm not sure which one it is, but it's one of the theme songs from Cube. I will find it when I come back.
So that was Wrong Door by Mark Corvin, who did the music for the first Cube movie. So on to trivia. Just some general trivia. Uh, there isn't a lot for the Cube franchise. Uh, the first two movies take place entirely in the Cubes. Uh, the last one takes place both inside and outside. The design of the first Cube is darker colored panels, which we mentioned earlier. The second movie is much wider. Um, and the third movie is darker and has a more industrial look. The traps in the first movie are all mechanical. The traps in the second are based on quantum physics. And um, the third has both mechanical and biological traps, um, such as needles coming through the floor, flesh-eating bacteria, uh, razor wire, etc. Each movie features a group of people who theoretically could solve the puzzle and work together and try to get out, uh, but we know that nobody, the cube is designed so no one is supposed to survive anyway. But they don't even get that chance because there's always some crazy guy in there trying to kill them. So the first one, crazy guy, was Quinn. The second one was Simon. The third one, who wasn't as bad as the rest of them, uh, was Haskell, and that's because he was a soldier and he is a chip in his head was activated in order for him to kill everybody. The first two movies use numbers to denote cubes, um, and the third uses letters instead of numbers. Cube 1, the budget was $350,000. I had a box office of $9 million. The movie was shot in 20 days. All of the characters in the movies are named after prisons. I won't go back through them all, but if you look them up, you'll notice that... Uh, like Joan Levin is Levin Prison, and that each prison has something to do with that character's personality. Here's something interesting. All of the characters were supposed to be chartered accountants in the first draft. Not sure what that was about, but somebody must not like accountants. All of the actors also appeared in a TV, Canadian TV series called Forever Night. And this was the last um, film released in Canada by Cineplex Odeon before they were absorbed into Alliance and changed the name to Odeon Films. The set, this is very, very low budget, as we said, consists of just one cube. They would change out the panels in the cube to make it uh, look like a different room, and then they had like a couple of walls as an entranceway to another room. How they shot the movie is by uh, the colors that they needed in the room. So all the red room scenes were shot at the same time, then all the green rooms, etc., instead of in chronological order. The final moment of the film, the first Cube film, was supposed to show the outside of the Cube, but it was removed during editing, and I think that was the wise choice because when you see the outside, it gets rid of a lot of the mystery that makes the movie fun. Cube 2 Hypercube, not sure what the budget was, but the box office was $3.5 million. Like the first movie, it only used one set and altered it when they needed it. Now here, everything was this kind of white color, as we mentioned, so uh, I'm not sure what they had to alter in the rooms. An alternate ending that is included in the DVD and on YouTube uh, reveals that the owners of the cube are a government and that Kate is executed in both versions of the film uh, but in one, they praise her for doing a good job and the, being the first person to make it out alive. It is, as I already said, revealed that she was just in the cube six minutes um, and that the cube is an experiment 
about quantum teleportation. Kate is the only person who willingly entered the cube that we know of, and if we paid attention at the intro of the movie, you see five people that are like in, they're passed out and they're in sort of some sort of shrink wrap kind of thing on gurneys. So there were five people in those, and then the sixth gurney was empty, indicating that that was someone who went in willingly. Cube zero. Uh, the ending with when as a mentally challenged person is direct reference to the original cube. The lines are exactly the same, although the characters are different. So he says basically, you know, like this is a red room, I want to be in the green room, something like that. Cube Zero won the Best Special Effects Award at the 2004 Screamfest Horror Film Festival. And there was talk of a fourth movie called Cube 3D, or just Cubed, um, but that is currently on hold by Lionsgate, and I don't know if there's been any discussion of it in the past couple of years. Why should you watch these movies? I was trying to figure out, I think this might be the first escape room movie, um, and there have been many more since then. Escape rooms came into existence in 2012, as far as I could see, so this might be the predecessor of that. It's also the predecessor of Saw. The first Saw movie came out in 2004. Cube, as we said, is a Canadian franchise. I feel like a lot of good Canadian movies are overlooked uh, because they don't have the budgets uh, that American films have, and so they have to be much more plot-driven and character-driven and rely much less on CGI, and because of that, I think people get bored and wander off. Uh, but I, there are some Canadian films that I really enjoy. The Cube may be a metaphor for life. Each person wakes up in a strange place and learns that one wrong move will kill them, and they try to adapt, they try to work with others in order to escape, but in the room, in the end, everyone dies, and no one gains any real insights into the situation. So, where to find us? We're on... Oh, let me go over the recipe first. So, the recipe didn't have a lot to work with um, in this episode, but what I went with was cubed steak. So cube steak is a cut of beef that's usually the top uh, round or sirloin, and then it's tenderized with a mallet. And it gets its name from the indentations from the mallet that look like cubes uh, after it's been tenderized. Uh, cube steak is the most common cut of meat used in chicken fried steak, and there are also uh, a number of other recipes you can do with it. Easy Swiss steak slow cooker cube steaks uh, with mushroom sauce, beef parmesan and garlic, uh, parmesan pasta, and as we said, chicken fried steaks, but you can also have chicken fried steak fingers. I love chicken fingers. Uh, or for pork, try this again, fork tender cube steaks and gravy. Um, so I left a, a note to a site um, the Spruce Eats on how to prepare cube steak, and then also Parade.com had a number of steak recipes, so check those out if you're interested. And now, where to find us? We are on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We are also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com 
or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilm.podbean.com. So that's it for this episode. Um, Stay tuned for another franchise next week. And in the meantime, I would suggest trying to stay out of any cubes. And if you find yourself in one, you can follow their advice if you're thirsty and always suck on a button, which I thought was, I had never heard that before, so I thought that was a strange addition. So um, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.